when you um, don't achieve something that you set out to, or you're faced with an injury that you have to come back from, every adversity sets us up for our future successes. And so because I know how to struggle, because I know how to overcome, because I know how to be resilient, I knew that I, that's what I'm going to need is those things. I need to know mm. how to fail in order to succeed. I know mm. I need to know how to get hurt in order to heal. Happy March, everyone. You're probably listening sometime in March. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's August 2025,000. 20, I don't know. But right now I'm recording in March of 2021. Who knows if this will last in 20, 25,000. What kind of year number is that? I just made that up. Well, it's that kind of night, I guess, for me. Another week, another check-in to this personal time capsule I like to call Wanna Help Me FKT? And if we haven't met yet, I'm Jillian. Nice to meet you. We're eight weeks into my first training block of this year. So what's new? What's new? Well, I decided to finally join the ST Rava or maybe we can call it like the street rave machine or some people pronounce it in English as Strava. Yes, um, I've been running for about, I want to say seven years and I know Strava only really started to get popular maybe five years ago. Uh, I would hear people talk about using Garmin Connect when I started floating around between run groups and I use a Garmin. So I think I heard about that and I was like, nah, not really into the social media thing. I was barely on Facebook and still barely am. Um, And I was just getting used to running with other people in real life. So I didn't really feel comfortable needing everybody to see where I run and all that. And I'm pretty minimalist when it comes to social media. Um, So I've never hopped on to that. And people have encouraged me to get onto the ST Rava. I honestly think it just sounds cooler by calling it the ST Rava instead of Strava. Come on now. It's, it's going to be a thing, right? ST Rava. <laughs> so anyways, I finally got on. And the main reason I got on is not because whomever was egging me about it. I mean, trust me, many people have tried to encourage me or threatened to make accounts under my name and kind of just like log weird activity I guess not that that wouldn't have been hilarious but that hasn't happened last month I was experiencing a bit of a slump with my kind of not sure what was happening niggle and then visiting the physio and then knowing I could run but still not feeling like I was reaching my potential mileage this is a whole thing I tend to get stuck on building mileage and being at a point where I can feel like I'm getting in good training miles in my legs because as someone who's who likes to run long I just need to feel like I'm getting that work in um, and not hitting kind of like a basic mileage number makes me feel anxious that I'm I'm just not working hard enough I guess so anyways I decided to get on the ST Rava and I'm just going to keep calling it that. And anyone who's listening who's on Strava is going to just be so confused continuously. Or maybe you'll just start liking it. Whatever. So I got on it. And I actually now think this may backfire on me. And it's all going to be about how I keep things in perspective. Because I've never seen my kilometers ranked beside other people, most of which I don't know and frankly don't care about. I mean, I find the numbers inspiring in in a certain way, but at the same time, I totally know that they have different goals, so their mileage should mean nothing to me, yet I am ranked beside them. So that is like a weird mind-fucking thing that I need to deal with, and I've never had to deal with that. In any run group that I run in, and we talk about, oh, you know, a tough run, a good run, a workout, whatever. 
but nobody is actually thrown around solidly, consistently, day in, day out. Oh, I ran this and that, and then just like done the math right in front of you. That's kind of like bad etiquette almost, right? In a run group to just be flaunting your numbers, so to speak. But now it's on the site where I check periodically because I've signed up as part of this challenge that my uh, coach and kind of run group is doing. And I want to participate. I want to try to be social. I was in a slump last month. I mean, I only admitted that to myself a bit a couple days ago before March. And then I decided, hey, stop squashing the ST Rava and just get on. Try it for a bit. If you don't like it, get off. No bigs. Um, and since the group was doing a challenge, I thought, okay, great. A way for you to feel connected to the group. You know, be an active participant of a bigger goal, which I'm totally for. But I guess I just didn't really anticipate just the visual aspect of seeing myself squashed between other people that I frankly don't know and don't need to care about and their performance. I understood that Strava was a bit of a social thing, but I guess I didn't really anticipate this performance piece affecting me because throughout this first week of having Strava, I will admit that seeing myself ranked was both motivating and also not anxiety provoking, but it amped me up. And and when I say amped, I mean, you know, that high energy feeling that is both motivating, but also kind of pushes you, right? And pushing you and that pressure can be a good thing to some extent. Like I said, I was in a slump. That was good to push me out the door. But at the same time, it it made me think that the value of my run was based on what ranking it would put me in amongst this group of strangers. I mean, within a few days, I realized, fuck that. Like, that kind of thing is not doing me any good. And I think just after a few days, I've already realized it may not be for me. I see benefits of how seeing my teammates work hard and being able to message them on that platform can be encouraging and build connections However, just that whole, maybe it's the main page of the group, seeing myself ranked and that implying some sort of pressure on myself, I don't like it. I think I like looking at my own page and seeing those dots that show my running because that's very similar to how I I log my runs. I use colors to designate my shoes and I write the logged miles and then I do a calculated total like So I like seeing those dots and the visual of maps and stuff on my own. But that that was a long rant about how I've been on Strava for less than one week and I'm already semi-regretting it. But, you know, I'm going to give it at least a month so I can complete the challenge with my team. I do like the team vibe of feeling like I'm part of something greater. That being said, I also have my teammates' phone numbers and we have our own WhatsApp group. So... I feel like within that, I feel a lot more value coming from it. And so I will keep participating and building connection there. So nothing anti-Strava. So now now any chance of Strava ever sponsoring me (laughs) for this project is out the window because I've just spent 10 minutes squashing them. Not really. I'm just saying how I feel. Anyways, one of the things that has impacted my week's mood is not just drama. Just a few days ago, I went to see my physio and she felt that I really needed to work on my glutes before I add on mileage. And I had already planned with my coach that next week was going to be a jump up week up to 60 kilometers a week, which is pretty basic for the type of goal I'm going after. It was a goal I was comfortable with and I was excited for because I like feeling like I'm hitting higher mileage and building up and I'm in the midst of training because I do love training. But I had a sucky run today. I just had a run where I felt like I had to bail. It wasn't a workout. I haven't been doing workouts. I've just been doing easy mileage and frankly, pretty flat too. Today's run was very flat, and I was hoping for an hour, so at least 10k, but then I told myself to just aim for 8 and see how it goes, but by 6, really 5k, I was like, no, something is feeling off with my right hip, 
I'm not getting power when I push off. I feel like it's feeling a bit weak. Um, and also my left knee niggle was kind of coming on. When I look back on my watch, I do see that around 5K, because I was not pushing against the wind anymore, the wind was with me at tailwind, and because that stretch was a little slight downhill, I was going a bit faster. And I think it was that sudden increase in pace, also just the overall load from this week, because I have jumped up a bit. I think it all just, you know, came down to that and I was starting to feel those niggles. And I, I called it at 7k, I stopped, I was already back at my work, didn't go around to do more. I messaged my coach and I'm just like, this is happening, what do you think for next week? Immediately, he was like, okay, we're lowering my, or my, our mileage goal, goals, let's just focus on strength and keep doing the easy miles and see how we do. And while I know he's right, I, I feel disappointed. I don't know. I feel sad. I think ultimately because I wanted to start moving forward with my training. I felt like the past two months have been about building strength. And and part of me is even almost even more upset because I've never done any strength training. And basically that is the reason why any of this is happening any of these nickels are happening and I fully recognize that but it also feels like the minute I started dedicating myself to doing strength it's been two months consistent I pretty much do it every other day and this is it just keeps happening that oh your glutes are still weak they're still weak oh don't load up they're still weak like I feel like it's been one step forward and three steps back. Obviously, I know not doing strength is not the answer. It's not like, let's just go back to three years ago when you were always building out mileage and not doing strength. Or even just last fall when you were building out mileage and neglecting strength. Let's just go back to that. Maybe that'll be better. But I know that I'm letting myself feel the current dampening of my mood of knowing that next week I can't run as much as I'd like and also I mean now that I'm on the street rave machine otherwise known as Strava and I'm participating in this challenge with teammates now I'm also feeling like I'm letting them down so it just feels like it's it was the wrong time for me to join Strava I wasn't joining it at a time when I could be fully giving it my all in group participation. It, part of me feels like this is exactly why I stayed away from it because I didn't want to be accountable to other people but myself and perhaps my coach. Uh, sorry, this is not a very positive intro. Uh, but I need to remember this because I was kind of reminding myself of my thoughts on passion versus drive and how motivation and action all goes into it. And I was, you know, reminding myself that I can't just go around saying, I'm passionate about this project. I'm passionate about running the whole bruise. I'm, you know, I'm passionate about training. I can't say that without doing the work. I've become more intentional in learning and reflecting on what this work means. Work in running isn't just running. I've known that, but I haven't done it. And this year, it's about doing it. Part of that is strength. But what's even more important than strength training, which, God, it's just so boring, is patience. I think I neglected to remind myself that I needed to be patient. Because I'm in it for the long haul. I have my eyes set on a goal the bigger picture. I need to keep all that in mind. And whether or not I hit 60 kilometers this month is in the grand scheme of things, not a big deal. So that's my long winded way of saying that I forgot I, that I needed patience for this project. <sighs> so let's move on to me introducing the friend 
that I had a lovely chat with. Lisa is a trail running enthusiast who loves to chase big goals and engage with the local community. She is an endurance athlete, a mother to soon-to-be two children, a spouse to her wife, Ashley, an elementary school teacher, and a small business owner. Whoa, that's a mouthful. She wears a lot of hats. In addition, Lisa is an avid ambassador of the Five Peaks Trail Running Series and the journal editor at Runners of the Six. Lisa has tackled races and runs everywhere from a 5km stroller race to her recent 100km effort. She loves to read fiction, write poetry, and eat donuts. One of the main reasons that I wanted to chat with Lisa is because of her recent 100k effort that she did back in December of 2020. But if you're looking for details around that, she actually had a whole other conversation on the podcast called The Longest Stride, and that details more around her kind of effort, the date of, the planning, and all that jazz, and also talks about her backstory as to why that date and that effort was so meaningful. I'd really recommend that you go back to that. Maybe pause this and then go listen to it and then come back. I wouldn't mind. It was such a pleasure to get to know how Lisa thinks. Uh, I was really looking to pick Lisa's brain to get to know how she stayed true to the intentions that she set out for her personal project and not let it get changed by any sort of any external pressures that may come her way around doing such a monumental distance. She also opened my eyes up to many topics around the trail running community and accessibility and diversity that have been trickling through my brain, but I didn't really, it hasn't been my focus. In fact, our conversation was so long that, again, I had to split it up into two parts. I am a terrible interviewer. These are never really interviews. These are chats where I'm trying to listen and trying to get some questions answered in the meantime. This just means you'll get to hear Lisa's lovely voice twice if you stick around for the next episode anyways. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Lisa. So I remember us meeting, I think, at a JP's team run. Yes. Yeah, but I don't think I would, I wouldn't say that we chatted. I don't think we ever really chatted. chatted. Like maybe we were running alongside and we shared a few words. Um, but I always knew that you were close with Melly and May. Um, and did you guys, you guys formed a relationship in terms of running on like a relay team together or something at Ragnar or... Yes. I mean, we had connected prior to that. So it was JP's team is, is how we connected initially. So I had started following JP on Instagram kind of on my own. And for, for, for the initial part of my running journey, I would say I was kind of, um, or not kind of, I was entirely disconnected from the running community in Toronto. Mm -hmm. So I, I never ran with other people. I didn't, I didn't even know run cruise was a thing. You know, I, I didn't, mm -hmm. I wasn't aware of any of that, um, that any of that existed. And so I, I started following JP on Instagram and he actually was calling out for stories for his book, his first book. Mm. And uh, I submitted a story and, and it made it into the book. And so that was kind of my introduction to him. And then I was a new mom at the time. Our son was um, very little. He had just, he was born in March of 2017. And I think that my first JP's run was like maybe April of 2017 you know he oh, wow. was really really little um and so I had I had limited um connection with everybody initially and so because as a, a new mom I couldn't really go out mm -hmm. to a lot of things when he was really little um I didn't give birth to him so I I didn't have a, a body um that was in it was going through those changes so I, I was mm -hmm. I was able I was able to still do my running but I wasn't it was more tired and, and mm -hmm. being home with my family mm -hmm. and so that was how we connected and then we just really hit it off and then we started running um, a little bit more frequently together but it was 
I started going to Five Peaks, which is a trail race series. I don't know oh, if you've, yeah. have you done any of the Five Peaks races. I haven't done any. Okay. I've always looked at them when I'm planning out my race season, but their times never worked with my schedule. And I don't know if it's because they always end up being on Saturdays, but I work Saturdays. Oh. Um, so I don't take a lot of my Saturday work days off. But I think the Five Peaks races, they just never coincided with my work schedule enough. Yeah. Well, I'll just say that when you do do one, you'll see that it's very worth taking that Saturday off of your work schedule. (laughs) Um, It was really like my gateway into running trails Mm. was 100% due to that. So um, the first one I ever did was because Melly posted on Facebook and I was like, Mm. I want to be a part of that. I want to do that. And so I was able to get into one of their races um, at a place called Terracotta where we don't race anymore as part of the series, but we did initially and it was pure mud and it was the most amazing thing I've ever been a part of. Like I was just running right through the mud puddles. Like I don't go around on trails. I always go through no matter what it is. Oh yeah. 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 And, um, a, it's really fun. B it's really important because we want trails to not be widened. We want to use the trails that exist. And the more that we go around, um, things like that, we actually end up widening the trails, which impacts on the natural vegetation and, Mm. and taking over more of the land. So I find it's really important to stay the course, um, as closely as possible to be a, a, a real steward of the trail. So, um, that's like, that's my mud theory. So I tell people like, just go through it. It's really fun. And you're doing a good thing. (laughs) Mm, I never thought of it that way. I really like that. Yeah. It's an interesting concept. It's an Mm -hmm. interesting concept. So, um, you know, you're going to be venturing through, um, over 900 kilometers of our most exciting trails right so Mm. you'll have a great opportunity to just just remind yourself like go through it just go through it yeah (laughs) yeah I can't say that I've ever been had that mindset I I have that mindset for a lot of other things but when it comes to something like um like a puddle or mud I think I just like to keep my feet dry as much as possible it's really just that I think it's more of a sensory thing for me so So, but now when you, when you speak about it as a, a small, small action that can go towards protecting our trails, that's totally worth it. Like that's that you've sold me on that. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I totally understand it's important. I mean, if you're going out for an, uh, an epic endeavor, you do want to be mindful of course of your, of your feet and you need to, you know, you need to take good care and, um, Obviously, if it's like, if there is space in the trail to make a move around it, then that's fine, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's more just when, when we encounter obstructions and we try to, you know, tiptoe around them and then risk widening the trails. But um, I just also personally like the, I like the sensory experience of, of having Mm -hmm. everything be kind of unique and, and changing. So there's Mm -hmm. a race called the seat and soaker. I don't know if you've ever participated in that one. No, I've heard of it though. Yeah, it's cool. So there's a river crossing um, that you do a couple times in the race and you can, you do it twice in the 25 and you do it four times in the 50 and you, you go through the river. Um, And it's in April, I believe. And it's, you know, the water's pretty cold, but Mm -hmm. um, it's a really, I like it. It's, it's neat. To me, it it made me feel like my mini Western States when they, you know, they, they cross the river in Western States. And I was like, we're like the elites right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true though. There aren't a lot of races like in Ontario with the river crossing. Is there? I feel like running in with groups has always come into my life at certain times when I need it. And I think they always bring me lots of joy. Those times have always been so fulfilling. Um, But I think with just with COVID, I've kind of gone more into my solo state, obviously for safety reasons, primarily, uh, but also for solitude. I, I think because my mind has been very distracted in the past um, summer mainly. And I find that going into the trails and choosing to, 
to be in that solitude to reflect and just hear my own thoughts has been really helpful. Um, but I miss, I do miss groups and just like the running community in general. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree. It's been such a unique year, especially because I, I, as, as someone who does run solo more often, I get that community experience from racing, from going to the five peaks events and I'm an ambassador with the five peaks. So I'm Mm. a big part of the day setting up, tearing down, you know, volunteering, doing the kids races, doing draw, draw, like door prize draw, that kind of thing. So it's, it's really fun. And, and so I get that community experience and then I can sink into my training, like you mentioned for the solitude. Um, as a parent, it's a really nice opportunity for me to be alone when I'm running. Mm. So I like the opportunity to be on my own, to, to be in a quiet space, um, to feel a bit of freedom. Yeah. And so the balance has always been really beautiful, but COVID has absolutely interrupted that balance. And I do really feel eager and excited to be running with other people again. Also, I live in Toronto, um, not quite downtown, but I would still call it downtown. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have very limited access to the trails. And because of the stay at home orders in particular, I've been very mindful of not going to other places that I don't live near. And so while we are welcome in some ways to go to conservation areas in and around the GTA. Personally, I don't feel that that is fair to the people for whom actually live in that community. So I want to do my part by staying close to my home. And so I haven't been on the trails in quite some time, not since maybe, I don't know, maybe October um, Mm. was the last time that I was on a trail. So it's challenging as someone who much prefers the trails to be on roads all the time Mm -hmm. but um it's an easy um reconcile when I when I know that it's the right thing to do Mm, you phrase that so beautifully like in terms of how how your thought process is in making those choices that feel right to you um like your even your food company's name earth and city right it it speaks about (laughs) finding balance um you know, 2021 hasn't looked that much different than 2020 so far. Um, Do you find yourself trying to look for different ways to stay balanced now that, you know, we've had almost a year of, of trying to transition? Um, Like, has it been a matter of keeping the status quo? Has it been a matter of injecting some new ways of, you know, self-care and work-life balance? Um, how, how have you, yeah, done that? Yeah. I mean, I think in terms if to contextualize it in terms of running, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm someone who, so I've done one marathon. I've done one 50 K I've done, I've had, I have one DNF, I have one DNS and I have, um, one, uh, hundred. And Mm -hmm. so, I don't, I haven't repeated anything. I've just changed what I've done every time. Ah. And so um, my, I like doing new things and changing it up. And so during COVID, I've been happy to A, take on some virtual events. And uh, I have two reasons for that, which we, we can totally get into, but also creating my own challenges as well. And mm-hmm. that was, so I, um, as you know, I did um, 100K uh, on December 6th yeah. in, Congrats in 2020. On that thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. It was, it was great. Um, it was a unique kind of experience. It wasn't, it was, it was primarily about the distance, but the, the way that I structured the day was very, very different than a typical race or even a virtual race usually looks because it was a celebration as well. And so there mm. was a, an element to that. But I think what I do like about this time is the opportunity to be independently creative. And you also have to really look at why you do what you do pretty closely right now, because races are wonderful and they do give people 
purpose and drive and reason, but in their absence, what are you left with? If you Mm -hmm. only race for medals, if you only run when someone's cheering for you, it's very difficult to do solo endeavors Mm. and difficult to find yourself in a a place that feels satisfying when none of those things are available to you. So I think it's been a neat opportunity for people to really, I mean, the concept of the why, which you've probably seen some of the documentaries and that idea, right? Everyone is always saying like, you got to find your why, you have to find your why. But what happens when your why is not available to you anymore? Mm -hmm. What's I want to know what's even further under that. So mm-hmm. it's the it's it, I think it's been a neat oper- a neat time for people to kind of get to know themselves even better in this process. Yeah, what you said really resonates with me because I mean, I'd love to hear your reasons for participating in virtual races because for me, I found that when I started seeing them pop up, I just couldn't take to them because I've actually never been too big on races, to be honest. Um, So having them turn virtual where I'm not feeling that like tactile community and camaraderie that I would go to a race for, it seemed like it just wasn't my cup of tea. But I can understand why there are reasons people would use a virtual event as motivation or even just as a way to give back to the local community you know, if we want to see them when we're back into in-person, they need our support right now so that they can stand up tall for us when we're back together. I think I'm intrinsically motivated enough to do my own training and to get in like the weekly mileage and, and feel good about doing it for myself and kind of writing it in my good old journal on pen and paper, that sort of thing. Right. So so I wouldn't use that for purely motivation is, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can, I can definitely relate to that. I'm the same way. Um, I don't do a ton of races and I don't, um, you know, sign up for a lot of stuff, but um, you know, you, you hit it exactly right. You know, the, the support that our race directors and our race organizations need right now is essential because if we don't support them with virtual events, there's, there's not, there aren't going to be organizations left because they have to do something. And so I think a lot of organizations have been super creative at how they've been able to pivot and, and, you know, Coast Mountain Trail series is a really great one um, who, who out in BC and, and they, you know, they did this, this scavenger hunt. I don't know if you saw, they did this summer scavenger hunt. They did a winter scavenger hunt. I, par- I participated in the summer scavenger hunt and it was really fun. It, it was a neat challenge and they had lots of different types of races or types of um, challenges within the hunt. And then Mm -hmm. for each, for each one they had, there was a, um, you you got a lanyard with pins that had the challenge name on it. And so it was really fun. It was really, really fun. And it was, it was um, something different and, and it made the day-to-day training kind of exciting and, and different. Um, I also participated in the great virtual race across Tennessee, which mm. was um, put on by Lazarus Lake, who is the brainchild behind the Barkley marathons. If you're familiar, I would mm. assume probably <laughs> with, with that whole, um, I don't know what you call it, you know, conglomerate. Um, yeah. So uh, for, for me, you know, participating in the five peaks, um, virtual event was easy because that's my people and that's my mm. crew. And, and of course I want to support them as, in as many ways as possible. Um, and the, the great virtual race across Tennessee was, you know, if, if I'm being entirely honest, had really nothing to do with anything, but that I wanted to be an event that was the race director was Lazarus Lake. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a diehard Barkley fan. I'm really mm. into Big's backyard. Um, I loved following Lazcon where he, he, he walked across the U.S. and, you know, he's, he's a fascinating individual and the opportunity to sort of have my, my name in a race that, that he was the director of was Mm -hmm. just felt like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, It's taking place again this year and I'm not Mm. doing it. So, you know, there's, 
there, I know why I did it last year. And it was, um, it was an incredible experience. And I will continue to support local race directors and race organizations through their virtual events so that we can have them in person when they're back. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really important. I, at first I hated it. I was like, this is ridiculous. I don't want you to offer me a virtual event. Just like, let's just refund it and, or roll it over to next year. What are we doing? Cause you Mm -hmm. know, sometimes we get really caught up in our initial response to something and we forget to think critically about why, these things might be happening the way they're happening. And when you start to pull back the veil, you can see, okay, of course, you know, it's the same way that I needed more people or wanted more people to order online from my food business because we lost all of our farmer's markets, which is where we predominantly sell our food. And so it was a huge blow to lose all of that. And our company would have gone under if folks didn't order from us and didn't continue to support us in the way that they did. So it's the same thing with with racing. So Mm. I can I can totally see how your perspective as a small business owner yourself influence how how intentional you are with um, kind of where your support is going at this time. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, the not not to go back to the Tennessee thing, but you know, uh, Tennessee is neither here nor there to me, you know, as a as a person. Um, But it was the I mean, it it really was one of the most amazing things I've ever done. And, and I walked most of it, Uh, Mm. I didn't run most of it. And that was due to an injury that happened in, um, in June of last year. Um, I was going to say an unexpected injury, as if we're all expecting them. However, (laughs) if we're all honest, usually you can tell when something is brewing, you know, it's not, it's not all, it's not that often that out of nowhere you yeah. get injured. Um, mm-hmm. But it was an injury I, I wasn't, um, I didn't feel it really coming. So I was a bit, I was a bit, uh, um, you know, caught off guard, I guess mm-hmm. I'd say when it, when it happened. And so uh-huh. I found myself kind of out of running for a chunk of most of the second half of June, I didn't run at all. And then okay. in July, I started walking and was humbled at how much effort it takes to walk long distances. It is Mm -hmm. remarkably difficult. And over the course of the summer, I was able to weave running back in like a hundred meters every K one minute, every 20, you know, that very, very gradual um, increase in adding the running into the fold. And I was, was very worried. I wasn't going to be able to finish the, the Tennessee race at, yeah. at, at one point, at one point I had, oh gosh, I think I had to do like, I was up to maybe 15 K a day was what was needed to make it. And okay. uh, the initial race was eight, eight, just over eight K a day was what it would take oh, okay. um, from the start to the finish. So mm-hmm. I found myself in a position where I had to be making up almost an extra day for every day. So it was a difficult place to be in and I felt nervous about it, but I also felt really um, galvanized by the challenge. And I felt really, um, it was something that anchored all of my days through the summer. Mm. And it was this really neat um, thing to watch the numbers shift. It was really fun, you know, to have, you know, I need 15.4 K a day. And then you you know, you work so hard and you bust your butt for a whole week and then you do the math and you're like, okay, 15.1 K a day. Great. You know, it's, it doesn't shift rapidly. It doesn't all of a sudden mm. become, you know, it's not all of a sudden like, Oh, now you only need six a day. You know, it doesn't work like that. So it was really uh, neat to sort of chip away at it and to really feel myself getting stronger. And I was able to end the summer with a 50 K uh, on my own by myself. I did it on Squamish weekend. So uh, mm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Squamish 50 race out in BC. Yeah. Um, I, I but, haven't ever signed up for it, but I hear that it just sells out so quick. Yeah. Rapid, rapid pace. Yes. So in 2018, I did the 50 K there. And then in 2019, I was there as a, a crew member for my friend doing the 50 miler and oh, wow. also volunteering. So I got to be on the other side of it the next year and the friend I crewed for, he was my crew the year before. So it was nice. We, we traded, we traded spots the next year. 
it was great. It was really nice to um, have him do that for me and then get to do that for him. And then 2020, I was signed up for the 50 miler. And of course we know that that got canceled and it got canceled very early into, mm. into the process. So they were one of the earliest uh, cancelers, if you will, of, of races. And, you know, it was pretty startling to be in April um, mm-hmm. and realize that a race in August wasn't going to happen. It definitely uh, spoke to the severity of the situation and what we were dealing with. This mm-hmm. wasn't um, this wasn't something that was going to blow over anytime yeah. soon. So when when the 2020 race got canceled, I wanted to do something to celebrate what would have been that weekend. And so because my training had gone so well through the summer, I knew that I was in, in definitely in good, good shape to do a 50 K in August. So did a 50 K on the weekend that would have been Squamish as my little celebratory uh, experience. And that was really fun. And then I, I intended to not um, necessarily do anything else. And then oh, that sounds so funny. Now that yeah. I'm back. <laughs> I told him not to do anything. I was like, okay. Words. Yeah. And then when I realized that COVID was continuing uh, Mm. and was going to be still very much a thing all through the rest of the year, I had a significant anniversary from uh, a surgery that I went through on December 6, 2010. So Mm. I wanted to celebrate my 10 year anniversary and I wanted to have a party. I wanted to have a really big party with lots of friends. I wanted to be dancing and food and Mm -hmm. drinks. And I wanted it to just be this. Yeah. Like a huge hurrah. And it was very clear that that wasn't going to be possible. And so uh, it it was probably very early in September. I just called my coach and I said, what do you think about a hundred K on, on December 6th? And Mm -hmm. she sort of, you know, took a deep breath and she's used to me wanting to do fun and different things. And she was like, okay. (laughs) So I'd finished the 50 K I took the, um, you know, um, compulsory two weeks off or whatever following the 50 and then was moving, starting to move my body again. And, and I just felt it in my bones that it was, that I could do it. I, I knew that I could do it. I knew that, if I can walk 50k and I mean I, I walk pretty fast so mm-hmm. um, I think uh, my fast and um, so I, I and I do a lot of run walk combo mm-hmm. now I never used to do that that wasn't something that I did before that's what I learned this past summer for the Tennessee thing it really um, taught me so much about the value of it And so I felt confident that if I could do 50K in seven and a half hours with a run walk, a very limited run walk combo, it was Mm -hmm. mostly walking. I thought, well, I can do 100K in 24 hours. So that was kind of like what I had in my, I knew it was in my, it was within reach. Uh, Mm -hmm. I knew it was going to be difficult to train for it with going back to school as a teacher and doing and teaching during COVID and just the layers of all of that Mm -hmm. and, you know, having a kiddo at home. And so I knew it would be tricky, but um, my wife's really supportive and she knows that it was something that really mattered to me was doing something epic in celebration of this anniversary. And so with her support and with her willingness to say goodbye to me so many days on the weekends (laughs) and (laughs) see you in many, many hours, um, I was able to do it and it went, I mean, it couldn't have gone better to be honest. It Mm. was, um, it took me just over 15 hours in total elapsed time. And, Mm -hmm. um, it was about 13 hours and 45 minutes of moving of actual moving time because they took a lot of aid station kind of breaks. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. There's a couple of things I want to want to ask you about now that you you brought up your 100k effort and I know you've talked at length about it in the longest stride um, podcast which I did listen to and there are a lot of details there in terms of your planning your route planning I found that really interesting that you definitely did not take a traditional let's make a loop or something that I just repeat for simplicity's sake you made right. it very like very 
meaningful for yourself, finding people to be there at certain times for you. And the fact that you made it accessible to them because you had so much walking involved, which, you know, that was just how you imagined it to be. And you created it. You didn't try to make it anything else, you know, like you, you still kept yeah. it your thing. Like just because other people may imagine a hundred K to look like, I don't know, all running. You didn't right. think about that at all. Like you made it really your celebration. Um, you, you spoke about feeling it in your bones that you could do it. Um, now going from 50 to hundred is still double. How did you, is there some sort of I, I guess I want to know more about this feeling that you have in your bones, because I wonder if I've felt that before too, and, mm. and haven't had the language to encapsulate right. it and, and verbalize it. Cause I think there's something to be said about a gut reaction or a gut instinct, but is that the same as desiring something so much that you feel it in your bones or you know that you can and you will like, like just this like sheer belief. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what I also have is a very um, strong willingness to accept whatever happens. So when I say that I knew in my bones, I could do it. I also don't, Uh, measure myself by whether I do or I don't. So I, when I went to do the, my first 50 K ever was the one in BC in Mm -hmm. in Squamish. So, you know, I didn't choose a flat situation. I chose an incredibly mountainous 50 K to, to tackle as my very first you, it's very hard to train for that kind of hill climbing and descending in Ontario. We all, Mm -hmm. we know that, but I trusted my coach. I trusted in my training. I, I believed in my, I believed in my mental capacity to do it. And I hoped that my physical was prepared. And I did, I didn't know what was going to happen that day. And it went well, it went well. I wasn't in the front of the pack. I wasn't even in the middle of the pack. I wasn't at the very end, you know, but it, it, it's irrelevant really, mm. you know, where I fell, but I was able to finish the race in a way that, that felt good to me. And it was painful, but it was manageable and I was able to do it. And I think ever since then, I know that, okay, if I, I know what kind of training it takes to be able to do that, that it looks like X. So if I, take X and I shift it, I add to it, I take away some stuff, I play around with it, then I see what else happens. So when my, my next ultra was scheduled to be, so I, I did Squamish in at the end of the summer in 2018. Mm-hmm. And then I was training for an ultra in 2019 at mm-hmm. Limberlost. So this mm. is another in your neck of the woods, I think. In ter- yeah, I, in I've never been there, but I, I know I know where it is. Yeah, it's beautiful. I had run the I had done the 28K the year before and kind of rolled my ankle and had a rough race. It was really rough mm. and was disappointed that it was kind of a bit crappy. And then uh, in 2019, we, we suffered a miscarriage just seven days before the Limberlost oh. event. And I knew, I knew in my heart going into that, that I didn't have it. I didn't have it in me for that. And I actually, it's, it's funny that we were speaking about her before, but I, I started out that race, the Limberlost race with May and very quickly into the race, I was quite emotional. And I just said, I don't think I can do this. And, and she just, she was just like, I'm here, I'm here, just keep moving. I'm here, you know, just like, so just really held space really beautifully, but I knew I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it. And, um, and I didn't, I, that was my first DNF. And I, when I realized I wasn't going to make the cutoff in order to get the, the, the 56 lap. So Mm -hmm. the funny thing is, is I did 42 K 
on the trails that day, but it's a DNF, you know, it's very, it's very funny. And there was a 42 K race that day too, but I was registered for the 56. So, you know, I, it, it, oh. I finished one of the races, just not the one I was registered for. <laughs> so it yeah. was very, it was funny, but, um, oh. but on my last lap, when I knew, when I knew I wasn't going to make it in the cutoff, that's when I started to have a whole lot of fun. I just like looked at what was around me. I, you know, I smelled the, the pine, the hot, you know, the sun on the pine trees. I, I heard the water as we went by. I cheered for other runners with like all my heart and all my gusto and just was able to gr- grieve and cry and like, and just be in this space and on this trail. And was totally fine with the, with a DNF, you know, it's part of it. You know, I knew it was going to come eventually. I didn't think it would be my very second attempt, but you know, that's when it, that's when it came to be. And, and then I knew that I, I knew that I just needed to let 2019 be its thing. I needed to just um, let myself go as when I wanted, how I wanted, and I just needed to exist. And then when 2020 started, I felt a lot stronger. I felt so excited about the year ahead. And then obviously, you know, COVID hit. But when I had, when I continue to, this is a really long way of explaining how I knew I could do the 100K, but I love it. But I think when you, when you um, don't achieve something that you set out to, or you're faced with an injury that you have to come back from, every adversity, sets us up for our future successes. And so because I know how to struggle, because I know how to overcome, because I know how to be resilient, I knew that I, that's what I'm going to need is those things. I need to know mm. how to fail in order to succeed. I know mm. I need to know how to get hurt in order to heal. I, and so I knew, I knew that because I knew my training was in a good spot and I knew how to train for something like this. Mm -hmm. I knew that the hundred K was going to come down to, you know, like my, my, my mental game. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was going to be all mental because while yes, it's double 50 in some ways it's, it's the same way, like a marathon, a 50 K is not just eight K more than a marathon. It's like this whole other beast. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's only eight K more in some ways. I think when you start to get deeper and deeper, like I can see how someone might say, well, a hundred K hundred mile, it's not that big of a difference, even Mm -hmm. though it's another 60 K on top of that. Mm -hmm. It's like, once you break these barriers, it's, you know, the, the, the sky is the limit as, as cliche as that is, it, it does just feel like, well, yeah, I can probably do that too, you know? And then if I don't, then I'm going to learn a whole heck of a lot for the next time I give it a go. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. where, <laughs> that's how I guess this, it's just, um, I think I'm a much wiser runner than I used to be when I started. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I like the whole Instagram Strava world. I like putting, you know, the Strava filter on my pictures and, you know, sharing my distances and my paces. Like I like numbers, they feel great, but I'm not defined by them. I don't feel like if I have a shitty run that I'm no longer good enough. And Mm. so I I think there's a wisdom that comes with um, putting yourself in a variety of different situations and seeing where the chips fall and learning a lot about what you can and, and could do, you know, not can and can't do, but can and could do. Um, because Mm. yeah, now I'm down a (laughs) trail pathway that feels like has no exit. (laughs) (laughs) I I find it really beautiful that you can now kind of look back and say that like that, that year itself, right. That was you existing and living through that pain. And then 2020, you come back and you had all those, these tools to, you know, not like fend off of pandemic, but, you know, <laughs> but to see, oh, okay, it, this is happening, but not to be, well, being able to use what you learned almost to tackle running across Tennessee and then using that towards, oh, like kind of a semi-spontaneous 100K effort. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And I think it's also like not taking yourself so seriously. You know, I mm. think that um, runners like, like, like many in, in sport, you know, we, we can definitely get wrapped up in like, in the, the mentality of like how to control it. Like we, you know, how we started talking about it at the very beginning and, and, and the idea of control. And I think that, you know, I just had a, a table of like random foods in, in my front door, you know, that my wife was sort of refilling while I was out doing, you know, loops for the hundred. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think it's really important that you continue to put yourself in uncomfortable situations that you learn how to run with wet feet, you know, for five hours and you, you know, you run with like your less ideal sports bra or not your favorite tights or like the ones that pull and feel weird or like, you know, the more we can actually put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, the better prepared we are for when the discomfort comes because it's going to no Mm. one is immune from life's, you know, life's challenges and no one is immune from, from running challenges. And so, you know, weather does not bother me at all. I don't care if it's negative 25. I don't care if it's a snowstorm. I don't care if it's pouring rain. I don't care if it's hot. It's just another opportunity to get uncomfortable, which is going to serve me so well. Because if we try to orchestrate perfect training and we try to orchestrate perfect circumstances, then the minute something goes even slightly off, we are going to crumble. And the thing about distance, especially ultra distances, is you cannot possibly control for all of the things that are going to happen. And you mentioned earlier something that has has is something I've grappled with is, is the idea of like, how do I talk about my 100K? You know, most people would say I did a 100K run or I did a 100K walk. How do I explain this thing that I did? And how do I feel not like an imposter because I did some walking? If you look at the majority of regular people, so talking about not podium placers, not top 10 finishers, if you look at regular people who run ultras, especially when you get into those extremely long distance, 50 mile, 100K, 100 mile, everybody falls apart at some point in the race. Everybody has an upset Mm. stomach. Everybody has a rough patch. Everybody walks, you know, a lot of the long distance hundreds and you'll, the the people will start out walking because you know, you're, Mm. you can't burn out at at the beginning. And, and, you know, there's been some ginger runner films where I've seen where, you know, he talks about walking for 20 K in the middle of a hundred miler because it's so brutal and he hits a rough patch, but nobody at the end of that says, well, that person, you know, that person, didn't run 100k they ran walked it you know nobody says that mm-hmm. they say oh my god you ran 100k you're amazing you know um i intentionally walked throughout mine to set up an, an experience that a was inclusive to people that mattered to me and b mm-hmm. was um you know reflective of my training mm-hmm. you know i think that it's it's interesting because i definitely had to feel a bit of you know, what will people think? It wasn't like a real hundred. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, but I moved for a hundred kilometers and that's all that really matters. And it didn't get uncomfortable until very late in the day. And it just happened Mm -hmm. to be a great day for a variety of reasons. You know, there's no, there's, I don't really have an explanation for why it didn't really start getting uncomfortable till 85k that the you know from from like a mindset perspective it's absurd Mm -hmm. like you Mm -hmm. know when I tell people you know I didn't I wasn't really uncomfortable till 85k you know they're like you weren't uncomfortable till 85k you know yeah Um, but the next time I do 100k maybe it's gonna suck from 30 to 60 you know Mm -hmm. you just don't know but if you practice being uncomfortable and and I know one of your questions Jillian was about like, what do I think you need to know for, for your, um, for your endeavor, for the FKT, the whole point of what, you know, this, this, this endeavor that you're on right now is, you know, I recommend you just get as uncomfortable as you can, as often as you can, because I think that's what is going to serve you the best. That's a, that's a lot of I wanted to say homework. I'm trying to find the right word. That's a, that's a really hard thing to ask somebody to say, I just want you to get hella uncomfortable. 
yeah now until <laughs> until then when is then well up to you yeah <laughs> but, I know it's a tall order yeah it's a tall I, order and I, I I think I've come to the term come to terms with the fact that I do as much planning as I can so that I can allow my brain to have enough brain space so that come the effort I can be as flexible and I can handle the uncomfort the discomfort of those unpredictable things because I've got some of the more like basic or some things that I could figure out figured out and absolutely and and so it's it's my coping mechanism it's my coping mechanism to start and and right now this whole situation um it has nothing to do with you but like even just recording conversations that I'm having that are meant to be like semi-private with people that I know slash don't know slash know through somebody else and then wrapping it up into a package I mean and I'm learning a lot throughout the process like I love the learning but then presenting it on into the interweb space where people can supposedly look it up like that's daunting to me not because I, I like I don't think it's because I care about that stranger but it's because it's it just makes it so much like bigger like it doesn't need to be any bigger it's already really big in my head and I don't need other people, you know, coming at me and telling me like, oh, that's like really big. Like, oh, don't you worry. I know it's really big. I only think about it every other hour um, <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, I didn't know this when I started this podcast, but I think this is repeatedly putting me into somewhat of an uncomfortable position. And then obviously there will be other training things too, right? That come along with that. It's all about learning my relationship with myself and my why for this project. I mean, the goal itself is, I think it's really exciting, but there is a lot of unknowns. Yeah, right. So many. For um, sure. And that's, and that's what, you know, y- you, can, you can prepare yourself as much as possible. And like you said, you're going to eliminate all of the things that don't need to take up space in your brain, for sure. 